The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. There are entrepreneurs and business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're also giving back to the community, and so can you. Welcome to Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind with host Chris Cooper. If you are looking to make the most of yourself and your business, then you will want to stay tuned for the next hour. Here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper and uh, welcome to another show. Today we're going to talk about strategic leadership and engagement uh, with my guest today, John Boggs. Uh, but before I start talking with John, um, I just wanted to say a big thank you to my guest last week, Michael Carroll. Uh, Michael is somebody that I've uh, interviewed before and I, I love talking with, with Michael. And we discussed mindful leadership. And really I think what mindful leadership um, was about was and, and the conversation was about how you become much more consciously aware of your surroundings and the conversations that you're in uh, and uh, being able to really respond more elegantly. And I just think the sort of way that Michael interweaves his his corporate experience, having been a, you know, a vice president of companies like Disney, um, with um, sort of teachings of Buddhism and relaxation, uh, really of their time right now. So I think if you're interested in becoming more mindful, it's a, it's a key word uh, these days. I would really recommend listening to that recording. And I think you know putting ourselves into a mindful state is you know mentally. Um, I think is uh, brings us very nicely today to a really important subject, which is about um, being more strategic in our thinking and and strategic leadership. And you know, I kind of wonder why it is that some organizations like the U.S. Marine Corps and uh, other military organizations can gain consistently strong results in highly complex complex operations with a really highly diverse workforce. And during this show, we're going to explore with John uh, his wisdom acquired from military high-level strategic leadership. Um, interwoven with the subject, of course, of manpower engagement, which is very important in those environments too. Um, I think there's some significant lessons that we can learn from the art of high-level military strategy that are really performance-enhancing in the business world. And there's an interview back in the archive with Man Mandy Hickson, who was a, a fighter pilot, a Tornado fighter pilot. And again, there's some really you know, interesting learnings from that, which inspired me to talk to John. Um, John Boggs is a retired Marine Corps officer. He's a former vice president of a major Washington, D.C. nonprofit and a partner in a government contracting firm and an international business development company. And he's got a really distinguished, distinguished record of executive level leadership and strategy for large, complex organizations and operations. He's got expertise in leadership, national security strategy, strategy development, ops planning and training. He served on high-level national government staffs. He's advised officers, politicians, and diplomats. He served as a military fellow at the Council on Foreign Relations in New York, the world's foremost authority on foreign policy. 
He's been chief of staff for the National Defence University, also dean of faculty and academic programmes, commandant of the Marine Corps' chair and taught strategy and logistics at master's degree level. Today, he provides leadership development for many um, significant organizations. So a big welcome to my guest today, John Boggs. Well, Chris, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. I'm uh, looking forward to this. Oh, you're very welcome, John. It's a, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. And um, you call your business Fortitude Consulting. And I know you have a, a, a fascinating background and you must have felt the heat on occasion but what is it that led to you to live in the, the heat of the Valley of the Sun in Phoenix, Arizona? <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's a great first question. And that's uh, uh, actually, Chris, you know, you're right. I have been all over the world, served everywhere in the Marine Corps, probably every place you, the Marine Corps could send you except Hawaii and the moon. So when I retired, I did go to Hawaii just to get that check in the box. And I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to work on the moon. But uh, I never saw myself winding up in Phoenix, Arizona, but I, I married into it. My wife is from Phoenix, Arizona, so here I am <laughs> because I can do whatever I do from literally from here. <laughs> Wonderful. I, I, was, uh, I asked that question sort of with a little bit of amusement because I obviously speak to the people of the Voice America and they're based in Phoenix. And sometimes when I, we're chatting, they're saying, it's 120 degrees in here, it's roasting. Oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we don't experience that too often over here in the UK. Um, but, John, let's, um, let's, let's sort of go back a few years. And I'm really intrigued. I mean, what was the inspiration behind your military career? And then the driver that got you involved with leadership training and education. Well, Chris, um, the military has been in my family for some quite some time. Uh, you might even call it a family business to some degree. Um, my father was a Marine. His father was an Army. Uh, my sons have been Marines. My daughter's a Navy doctor. So it's a, it's kind of a family business, I, I hate to say. But... Uh, but that seems to be the way. Uh, fam military service seems to run families. I, my family's not unique in that in that uh, thought. And did you feel a, a pressure to do that, or was it just that environment? Oh, oh no, no, not at all. As a matter of fact, I was always advised against it. Um, as I advised my children against it. I, I, please do something that I don't know what's going to happen. It's, you know, it surprised me. Let's uh, let's break the cycle and and uh, somebody go into business. Somebody. <laughs> <laughs> so my daughter goes, she becomes a doctor and, and still winds up in the Navy. So go figure. But uh, uh, no, it's just dr just drawn to it, drawn to service. Um, I guess that's really it, drawn to service, the sense of patriotism and doing something that has impact and is meaningful. Uh, and the Marine Corps has been all of that for me. Wonderful. I, I was actually as a child, I, I if you'd asked me as a sort of 12-year-old what I wanted to do, I'd, I always said I wanted to be in the Navy. And the reason I think I never pursued that was I actually realized that the reason I wanted to be in the Navy was my, my friend's dad was a senior officer in the Navy, and he used to get to travel to all these exciting places. And it kind of dawned on me that actually I could do that anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know yeah. I need to go into the Navy, but uh, he did seem to lead this exciting life. And also he couldn't say where, where he was going to be. It, it seemed, uh, you know, sh lots of secrecy. Um, mm -hmm. It was quite intriguing to a 12-year-old. 
Yes, um, oh, absolutely. <laughs> so how would you define then, we're talking about strategic leadership today, uh, how would you define strategic leadership? And you know, what does a strategic leader do that maybe a non-strategic one doesn't? Well, you know, Chris, let's, let me tell you what leadership, it's, it's broken down into three levels, actually. And uh, uh, there's, the first level is, of course, it's what we would call tactical leadership in the military. But in business, it's that first time, first line supervisor. Then you have operational leadership in business. Uh, in business, that those are the folks who should be taking the plans that they receive from the strategic leaders and developing an operations plan, a way to execute the plan. And of course, the, the uh, first level are the ones who are actually doing the work. Uh, we're making sure that work happens. And then you have strategic leadership. Strategic leadership is the sole purpose of strategic leadership is to safely navigate their organization into the future. That's the, that's the purpose of strategic leaders. That's what they do. That's what they're supposed to be most involved with is navigating safely into the future. And, and do, you, do you find that organizations generally are, are consciously aware of that, that that is the role of strategic leadership and they're doing it or... Well, I, I, I wish I could say yes, but unfortunately, the answer is no. And that's kind of how I wound up doing what I'm doing. Um, I once thought when I left the Marine Corps that all organizations, particularly here in the United States, were well-run, well-led. And, and uh, of course, I mean, after all, this is the USA. Everything we do, we do well. Well, uh, upon retiring and getting into business myself, I found that that was absolutely wrong, that... Uh, Unfortunately, strategic leaders will spend way too much time um, looking at what the operational leaders, the directors, the, the vice presidents, uh, and in some cases going all the way down to, the, to that first-time supervisor and literally trying to run everything and do it themselves. Uh, so um, leadership and children were a passion for me. So uh, I worked with with children uh, when I first retired, and now I'm following that other passion on leadership. And it's getting that strategic piece right is, is paramount to the success of organizations. Uh, and then it's what you're saying is that many leaders are also are focusing in the wrong place, are they? They're focusing what others are doing as opposed to creating what is needed and, and they're managing that exactly you're hitting a nail square on the head um we find well i found far too many strategic leaders that really don't understand how to be strategic they they rightfully and deservedly um, should be in the c-suite and, and that's your strategic leaders uh and regardless of the size of your organization whether you're a small cap company or you're a fortune 500 or you're a, a startup, if you're the, the CEO, the president, the, the person in charge and your immediate staff, that's, that's the strategic level. So you should be thinking on how to move your organization into the future. Uh, you do have to cast an eye to what you're doing. You, you have to always monitor, but not dip down and start doing the other person's work. Uh, and that's what I find is far too many do that. And what are the problems that you see when you know people have to step you know step up into leadership roles because uh, you know it's very easy in 
not easy, but you know, people who are career orientated and get promoted and promoted, they get to a point, uh, and I did myself, where you find yourself in a senior leadership role, but you've not necessarily been trained in it. And that's it. Uh, you hit the nail on the head again. Very often, people get promoted to leadership positions across the spectrum. And again, they deserve the promotions. They should be there. But because they were promoted, suddenly, I think there's a sense of fairy dust came down, was sprinkled on my shoulders, and now I am, you know, I'm the leader. I, I am the strategic leader. I am, the, I am now in the executive suite. I made it. Um, and let me share with you, a, a, a CEO once shared with me of a large organization, once shared with me, you know, John, uh, I've moved people all around the organization. Our succession planning, I think, is well. It's good. We're, we've got them from this department to that department. They know this company backwards and forwards, and they understand the industry. But they don't think strategically. Now, I smiled and said, well, you know, you did all the right things. They have to know the company. They have to know the organization. But what would make you think they would understand how to think strategically? Did you give them some training? Did you give them some education? Did you go with them what I call the four pillars of strategic leadership? Did you go over any of this with them? And he looked at me as though I came from the far side of the moon. <laughs> and he said, gosh, John, no, I haven't. And I said, then you can't expect someone to just know it intuitively because they were promoted to the position. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that at any level of leadership. It, it just doesn't. It, it's also, uh, you got me thinking now around, around kind of culture. And if that piece is not, not present and it's not trained, it's not explained, then you, know, you can get to situations where you know, people who are promoting to those leadership roles are actually being challenged to do things and, and have expectations on them that are not strategic. So I'm thinking about the most senior role I did in corporate where I found myself looking after logistics and quality and forecasting for five and a half thousand pubs and restaurants. Mm -hmm. And I would find myself being pulled into things where there were, you know, 10 pubs didn't get the beer on time was one that particularly frustrated me. Um, and also, you know, a supplier that wasn't performing right now, but I could see had the potential to perform in the future and people wanted rid of him, them. And it was these kind of issues, but I often didn't have the space, uh, you know, to, to really sit and think about the future. Um, mm -hmm. And it was never really articulated to me that that was, you know, it's obvious now, was a, you know, a key part of the role. Yes, <laughs> that's, a, that's a very key part of the role. And... Uh, you know, I, I just spoke with a, uh, uh, a health organization this past week, and we talked about, actually, we talked about that very thing, that uh, uh, w when you're a senior level person, when you're at that, that C-suite, that executive level, um, and you have folks that come to you and, with problems, you, you have to smile and say, and, <laughs> you know, and, well, you need to get rid of them, and, okay, hold on. Hold on. I mean, there's a whole process. It's, it's the decision-making process. It's so. What are my alternatives? You know, people come into you as a as a senior executive, and they come in with a fait accompli. They come in with the recommendation. Here's what we have to do. Here's the problem. And whoa, whoa, whoa. What do you mean? Here's the problem. You know, what 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 are the recommendations? What are you doing about it? And, and we'll, I, I can talk more about that as we go on. But there's a whole process. There's a whole decision-making process and cycle 
that that you that should be incorporated uh, in every organization. So uh, so you don't find yourself working at a level where you don't need to be. And let's talk about that after the break, because uh, I think that's going to be really, really helpful for people. We've got a couple of minutes left before we go into commercial break. And I just wonder, do you have a, you know, a great example of strategic leadership that really sticks out in your mind? Wow. You know, I do. There's a, an organization, uh, and think of the airline industry, particularly here in the United States. Every major airline, everyone has been in bankruptcy some multiple times. Uh, and, you know, it's, a, it's an oligopoly. So what affects one organization affects the other, the cost of fuel, the price of tickets. So one would think that, yes, you know, it's, that's natural. You should expect that. Well, hold on. I said every, but what I should have said was every except one. And that's Southwest Airlines. And you would stop and say, well, it's an oligopoly. So what affects one affects all. They're paying the same cost in, t- in fuel. They're paying the same thing for their mechanics. They're do- they have all the same overhead that every other airline has, but why is it they have never been in bankruptcy? And the answer is because they, they have wonderful strategic leadership. They exercise organizational power beautifully. And that's one of the tenets. That's one of the pillars of, of, of being a strategic leader, of strategic leadership. And they exercise it beautifully. So they are, they are like my prize example of strategic leadership uh, done extremely well. Uh, some would say, well, it's the cost of their tickets. No, it's not. Look at the cost of tickets. They're, they're not much different than anyone else. It's the free bags. Oh, come on, please. <laughs> it's not the free bags. You know, you're going to tell me you're going to, no, it's not that. But there are, you know, they turn more, they, they turn more airplanes around faster. They, in every market, they stick to what they're doing. They don't expand. They stay in their niche. They forecast out. They look, uh, they operate organizational uh, strategy well. They, they think big. They, strategic thinking as well. Again, organizational power is off the scale with how they exercise it. I, I love some of the principles behind that organization. It was, it was Herb Keller uh, who founded that and what mm-hmm. that sticks in my mind is uh, happy people and um, plus happy customers equals mm-hmm. lots of money <laughs> and i think you know, there's something very simple in that isn't there if you, if you keep something very simple mm-hmm. employees very happy and you keep your customers really happy then your business is likely to do well yes yes but it's trust me it's it's more than that yes yeah. it's, it's more than that that's that's a uh, that's a very the very obvious and, and very correct answer. They also maintain wonderful relationships with, uh, uh, with government, with the community, with their competitors, with vendors, suppliers. Oh, they're, they're, they're very well done at, uh, at Southwest. They're very good. Very, very good. Wonderful. Well, uh, thank you for that. And we're going to go to commercial break now. And after the commercial break, we're going to come back and we're going to start to talk about the pillars of strategic leadership. And I think some of these aspects of strategic leadership is, is going to be important to you and it is to anybody leading organizations and divisions or has that in aspiration to, then I think you want to stay on and uh, listen to uh, John Boggs. So we'll be back again with you in just a couple of minutes.
When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm delighted to be talking to, uh, to John Box um, about strategic leadership um, from... Uh, He's in his, uh, his home in, in sunny Phoenix, and I'm over in the United Kingdom. Uh, and uh, wherever you are, I hope you're enjoying this, because I think, I think that if you are you know, stepping up in your career or you're, you're doing a, you know, a significant role at the moment, I have, have a vision to do it, I think there's some really, really valuable content in this. And I certainly could have done this with this about 15 years ago when I, I found myself in a very significant strategic uh, role. Um, now, John, when we were planning this show, you uh, explained to me that there were four pillars of strategic leadership. And I just wonder if you could just top line explain what they are, or, um, list them really, and then we'll go into more detail about what each one means. Okay, Chris. The, uh, the, the four pillars are strategic thinking, organizational power, strategic resourcing, and strategic structure. That's it. It's it's simple. So, so um, let's 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 go into each of those components then, and uh, let's talk about strategic thinking for a start, and uh, and sort of fo- fo- give it that some focus. Um, what are the elements of strategic thinking? Because I've heard people talk about strategic thinking before. Um, also, sometimes people talk about critical thinking. I know which is something a little different, but related. Um, what is it for a start? Well, strategic thinking is, it's, well, let me tell you, a, uh, a dear friend of mine, a, a Norwegian army officer, used to sit and tell me, he says, John, you know the problem with you Americans? And I said, oh boy, I don't know, but I'm sure I'm going to hear it. 
He said, you don't know how to sit back and think big. And what he's saying, uh, I find, again, in business, is there's, there's a lot of truth to that. A lot of organizations don't really understand how to sit back and think big. And by thinking big, and strategic thinking is what we're talking about. And strategic thinking is this. Um, it's what's the vision? What's the organization's vision? What's the, the, what are the vital interests of the organization? And thirdly, what are the driving forces of the organization? Now, if you're thinking big, you're thinking those terms. And a vision, of course, is, is something that has to live on paper, Chris, but it's, or rather be on paper, but it's got to live in your heart. It's got to be uh, concise. It has to be inspiring. It, it has to, it's not a destination. It's a direction. So that's what a vision is. And that comes from the strategic leadership. The, when I say vital interests, vital interests of a, of a country is usually, well, vital interests of the country is we're going to survive as a nation. Well, organizations, businesses have the same issues. What is in the vital interest of the, of the business? Now, some would tell me, oh, well, John, of course we want to survive as a business. And I stop and say, give yourself a headache and actually think now. Some businesses are not built for the long haul. And they have no intentions. They are built to be sold. So why, why are you doing this business? Okay, so what's the vital interest? The vital interest of this business is to build it to a certain point so we can sell it. Okay, great. Now, what are your driving forces? A, a driving force, is, is it your product? Is it your, is it your marketing? Is it distribution? Is, what is your driving force? I mean, look at Amazon. We, pretty much say Amazon's driving force is its ability to distribute. Um, so when you're sitting back and thinking big, you need to be able to say, these, this is my vision, this is the organization's vision, this is our, in our vital interest, and these are our driving forces. That's, that's thinking strategically. And if you are a strategic leader, how... how how involved would you get other parts of the organization in terms of pulling that together? Is it, is it uh, more of a, you know, a, a few senior professionals in the organization with that foresight who would do that piece? You would have, you would, and the one thing you don't want to do is, is close yourself up in a room and do this by yourself. You do want, um, you want the foresight, you want the wisdom of your organization. And this doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be just your C-suite, your executive level folks. You have folks that have worked in your organization probably 10, 20, 30 years who understand the industry, understand the organization backwards and forwards, and are not necessarily your senior executives. They may be your vice presidents. There may be a director or two who understands the business, who understands where you've been, having history. The more history you, you have, the further forward you can project. And we don't have enough time for me to go into that concept, but just trust me, that's, that's a reality. The further back you can go and determine what has affected your industry, your particular business, the further forward you can go as far as analyzing and trying to, as I call it, seeing the invisible. Uh, you know, what's coming down the line. This is how it affected us in the past. How will it affect us in the future? And you have to be very specific. So that's how you start putting your vision statements together, 
understanding your vital interests, and definitely your driving forces. Might might be interesting just to get to to even consider getting maybe anybody who's been in the organization for longer than 15 years or 20 years together in a room for a session, whoever they are. Whoever they are. Uh, you don't want it too big because you, you'll never get anything done. But, you know, a, a, a small gathering, a, a small gathering of people, if you're talking five to ten, ten is a pretty big number. But that's a good, that's a good number when you start trying to figure out where you've been and where you want to go. That's a pretty good number. But it, you, do want, you do want the wisdom. You do want the wisdom. Now, if you're a tech company, if you're a tech company or heavily involved in technology, five years is a long time. Okay, so it's, it becomes relative to the industry you're in. You understand that point? You know, if you're in this, your industry is one that moves like, like a rocket ship uh, and it's so technology dependent, then having some younger faces in there who, you know, five years is now simply forever. So you do want them. And, and it may be, may also be, so some organizations you can get uh, you know people who come into the marketplace and suddenly transform it quite quick mm-hmm. uh, young organizations um you know there are there are some some market sectors aren't they which are probably not just as, as we'd see as being tech and online and that sort of thing i'm i'm thinking of people like kodak yes i'm, I'm thinking of Fender Stratocaster, <laughs> you know, it's even the, some of these mature marketplaces, it is possible, isn't it, to have yes, it into the market that can today maybe use that technology and completely shake it apart. Exactly, exactly. Um, so if you wanted to be, if, if I wanted to become, say, a more strategic thinker, um, how would I do that? Would I just go through that, would I go through that, that methodology or is there something that I need to you know, be absorbed within to to build my strategic thinking skills. Is, is there a, a, you know some steps or something that I need to? No, the the uh, I don't want to get you bogged down into into theory, but um, one of the best things that I would recommend for any organization is if you're going to go through particularly strategy development, bring in a facilitator. You, you want that because they can help guide you through, the, through a process so you don't get bogged down. But the, the key is to understand you have to have a clear, concise, compelling vision of the future. You've got to have that. Um, and it's, you've got to have buy-in. And the way you have buy-in in that, in that vision is just as we just spoke. It's not coming just from you and just from the C-suite, but from people who have who have a stake in the organization. Everyone wants to feel like they're part of, the, part of the process, that they're part of the family. And when you're building a vision the right way, you're going you're to start taking off. So you're you're think, sitting back and thinking strategically. That's how you do it. Facilitation is wonderful. It's a, it's a great help. Um, again, I, I wouldn't do what you're good at. And if you're not good at it, get help. Don't, don't waste time trying to become an expert in something you're not that's that's not good business it can be worth its weight in the goal that facilitation having somebody external as well who can challenge exactly it's really really important but there's mm-hmm. something something in um, don't get bogged down if you're getting bogged down with strategy call john boggs maybe <laughs> yes what a deal how we go <laughs> um so let's talk about then um organizational power um you know yes. what 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 is it about this 
component? What does it mean, and uh, how how should we work with it? Well, organizational power. I, uh, I I spoke with a group of CEOs and I asked them, "What's the cost of power?" And you know, you get the wonderful answers. And it's so the cost of power is one thin dime, and dime is an acronym, of course. You know, the military loves acronyms, but dime stands for diplomacy, information, economics. Um, I'm sorry, diplomacy, information. Manpower and economics, dime, D-I-M-E. It's, it's that simple. And uh, excellent. So, so if if, that, if dime stands for for diplomacy, information, manpower, and economics, mm-hmm. what's diplomacy, and what have you learned about it about how to do it well? Diplomacy, uh, Chris, is relationships. It's relationships outside of the organization. Um, this is this is what kind of relationships do you have with the government? national, state, local, um, you, you, what relationships do you have? If you have none, oh boy, you're in trouble. Um, but it's about building relationships and your relationships have to be, uh, what I would say at least in four major areas. And that's one with government, again, federal, state, local community within your community. Uh, and that means what, you know, media and the community has got to know you're there. Um, competitors, uh, it may sound a relationship with my competitors, yeah, because if you understand competition, really competition is you have to be better than you were yesterday. Mm. Your company has to be better than it was yesterday. If you compete against you, you that's pure competition. You're going to blow. You're going to blow your competitors away. But you want to have a relationship with your competitors. You also want to have a relationship with your vendors and suppliers. And. Um, Having relationships, and, and you'll see that dime is it's very interrelated because there's a reason you want to understand, uh, you reason you have a those relationships because it rolls into information. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, the example of competitors there, you know, I know in, in many industries, and I spent quite a bit of time in the sort of pub brewing. Uh, I'm sorry, Chris, I didn't hear your question. So, in, in many sort of industries. You know, those your competitors can be sources of extra I, business. Can, can you hear me, John? I can. Okay, now I, you're clear. Okay, John. Sorry about that. It's a technology. We we're just talking about that. In, yes, we were. <laughs> in in many industries, actually, your competitors can be a source of further opportunity because you know there may be certain segments they serve that uh, you're not interested in, and some that you serve that they're not. Um, I see, for example, in you know, in the brewing industry, there are many competitors actually brew for each other. Absolutely. So, you know, you, what you say there, it's not just necessarily you, you're trying to find out what each is doing. You actually may end up having commercial relationships that benefit everybody. Absolutely. And, and it's, there's nothing like learning by someone else's experience. I mean, you can always, you know, experience is always the best guide. But uh, I would rather, if something went wrong with a competitor, horrifically wrong, I'd like to know exactly what it was, why did it happen, so I don't make the same mistakes. So not only is there a plus, as you very accurately pointed out, um, you know, sometimes there are things you can do together that, that benefits you both, but there are things that blow up in, for one that you don't want to have blow up in your face. So that kind of information is good. 
also because it rolls into the eye and it does roll into information and gathering and controlling information. You know, what's going on in your business, what's going on in the industry, what's going on, you know, you're gathering data, you're gathering trend analysis, you're gathering all sorts of information that will help you become actionable information, which is intelligence. And uh, so that's when we start rolling into, you know, the D rolls into the I. And, uh, and the I is information, gathering it, controlling it. Um, what, what is your message? What's the message of your organization? Uh, does it resonate with the people who work with you and for you in your organization? Does it resonate with your, uh, with your customers? Does it resonate with, um, within the industry? So, uh, what's your message? You have to control that. And, um, so you see that D rolls into the I and, and, uh, and active messaging and controlling your information is extremely important. And when you say, you say controlling information, is that, I guess, the sort of flows of information that you're communicating out into your marketplace, but uh, mm-hmm. I, I guess there's also a lot of, sort of internal information, you know, data that you could be utilizing to help you make better strategic decisions. And we Absolutely. Can lose, we can lose a lot of that, can't we? You can lose a lot of that. And one thing about information that it's important to know, Chris, is that information it moves, it has to move like the currents in the ocean. Um, and it does. Uh, the, the problem is if information stops flowing within your, within your organization, the second information stops flowing. Have you ever seen water when it sits and it becomes stagnant mm. and just nasty? And this is what happens when information stops flowing. Uh, you may miss an opportunity, you may miss an opportunity that will never come back, or you may wind up missing information that would have saved your organization and kept you from tilting pretty hard to starboard uh, if, uh, uh, if had you had that information. Some folks only pass information when it's good, and, they, and some folks only pass information when at the meetings, the scheduled meetings, and others... Uh, I think if I don't pass the bad information, it will go away. And, of course, we know that's all that's wrong. Makes a, makes a huge, huge amount of sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so we need, to, uh, we need to, with an organizational power, we need to be uh, diplomatic and handle diplomacy with uh, those different areas like the government, community, um, competitors, vendors, and suppliers. And you gave that great example of Southwest Airlines. And also we've got to be careful with information you know, and, and keep it, keeping it flowing and utilizing what we, what we have. Um, mm-hmm. So after the break, we'll have a, a quick chat about manpower and economics. And then I'd, I'd also just like to understand strategic resourcing and the strategic structure. So we should be back again in just a couple of minutes. You'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Hi, I'm Rebecca Costa, host of the Costa Report, every Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. My guest this week was Secretary of Housing and Urban Development under President Clinton, Mr. Henry Cisneros, who will be here to talk about 13 trends which make investing in real estate in urban centers a sure bet. Don't miss Henry Cisneros this Tuesday at 6 a.m. and again at 6 p.m. on the Voice America Business Channel. 
Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. The business community's first choice in Internet talk radio. Voice America Business Network. tuned in to Be More, Achieve More with host Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to info at bemoreachievemore.com. That's info at bemoreachievemore.com. Now, back to Chris Cooper. So hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with uh, John Boggs. Uh, we're talking about strategic leadership and engagement. If you want more information about this, uh, the show and um, the great guests and uh, my thoughts on uh, on, on these shows, um, just please go to uh, chriscooper.co.uk and do subscribe to the newsletter. I don't bombard uh, communication, but I just send useful um, quality stuff and content and keep people up to date with uh, with great guests. Um, so, John, we were talking about um, about organizational power and, and DIME. Um, we talked about diplomacy and information. Um, tell us about how you best handle and engage manpower. Manpower, Chris, is, uh, let me sum it up this way. You equip the man, not man the equipment. So, <laughs> so well, and what I found, and, and just to go off the uh, off a point for very briefly. What I found is that many organizations, and I hope some of your listeners aren't in this category, they spend more money on on maintaining their office equipment than they do in um, developing their manpower, and uh, that's a, that's a travesty. But if they look, people will probably say, "No, that's not true." Well, look at the budget. I've seen budgets, and I go, "Wow, you know, <laughs> this is how much you spent here." And look at that. This is awful. But back to the point. Uh, with manpower, um, let's start with the hiring process. Three things, vision, succession planning, establish an environment for challenging the status quo. And here's, here's the problem with manpower. People hire folks and they pay no attention to, again, going back to the beginning, you know, vision, thinking big. There's a vision, a mission, and you have guiding principles of your organization. That's your ethics, how you do business. But yet you'll hire people and having a clue of what kind of person you hired. Oh, are they capable you know, technically? Do they have the training? Do they have the resume? Sure they do. But when you're speaking to them, you never speak to them to get a feel for um, what they stand for, who they are as people. Will they really fit in my organization? 
Now, there's feeble attempts at it, but my experiences, no, it doesn't happen. Um, so there's no, uh, the hiring process should always be uh, on point and in sync with the vision, mission, and guiding principles of your organization. Then there's succession planning. So when you start, the hi- succession planning starts with the hiring. Did you hire the right people in the first place? And now personnel development. You can't assume that they, anyone that you hire knows how you do business and what's expected of them. You cannot assume that. You can't stop and say, well, they, they have a college degree in. That's fine. Can they do the work here? So what's your training program? What's your educational program? And the two are different. Uh, training is, is how to do something. Uh, education is when, where, and why you do something. Okay, so you need the both. Um, then you have to have an environment where people can challenge the status quo. It's, it's, uh, and you have to be able to delegate. And when I say st- ch- challenge the status quo, it's you're giving a person a task and they accomplish the task. And this happens all too often. And people are upset because, well, you didn't do it the way I wanted it done. Or you stop, the th- or you stop progress because you want it done in a particular fashion. Well, wait a minute. What's the important issue for you as a leader? Is it accomplishing the task or is it how it was done? The the thing to remember here is it's always success, not perfection. That's what you have to be going for. And I learned that comment from Dr. Alan Weiss. What a phenomenal man. And uh, uh, he said to me, John, it's always about success, not perfection. And I, I... pass that on to you and your listeners. Mm-hmm. Don't forget that. When you're dealing with your manpower, don't forget that. And delegating. You delegate. If you're busy and you're at work at nine o'clock in the evening uh, at night, why? I can tell you why. I can. I don't even have to be there and I know you're not delegating. Yes. Okay. And people want to do, when you're talking about manpower, from a leadership perspective, you should always be looking at what people gravitate to. Because your employees gravitate to two things, things that they enjoy doing and things that they are good at. Now, hopefully they're one and the same, but I have seen people gravitate to things that they enjoy doing, but they're really awful at it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh my God, please don't help me anymore. Yeah. Um, but you know, the good news is when you have a person like that, they're just screaming for training. It's, it's in your face. Hey, this person will do this. Let me make sure they're trained and educated properly, and I've got a hero working for me. So that's manpower. It's, it's that right person. It's the succession planning. It's bringing people in right from the beginning, from a strategic perspective. Okay? So it's vision, mission, guiding principles. That's how you hire. Succession planning starts when you hire. Develop that person now. And thirdly, establish an environment where they can challenge the status quo, where they can move your organization forward. Otherwise, you simply have a Robotron, and I don't think anyone really wants that. Excellent. So how do you deal with economics? Economics, Chris, is this, you know, there's a saying, a strategy without resourcing has a name. That name is called, it's a hallucination. (laughs) So... So when, as you develop strategy, and this is all in the realm of strategic leaders, you develop your strategy. The next thing you should be looking at is your economics. 
do you have the resources to pull that off? Otherwise, again, you have a hallucination. And these are the resources. It's not always money, although that does play a part. It's also time. The cost of doing business by not doing anything in terms of time. So what is it? Industry costs. What are the fixed variable strategic costs? It's knowing your numbers. Strategic materials. How much does that cost you? It's all about that cost. And your person, go back to personnel. What's the cost of personnel? What's the cost of the training? What's the cost of ensuring that they're skilled and in the right jobs? Then you have to look at your exit and entrance costs. Are you exiting a market? Are you entering a market? You know, um, uh, Jack Welch uh, always talks about, and rightfully so, that you should be shedding. Uh, Maybe that's my word, but... um, there are things there are things that organizations do that you you know what it's no longer profitable. Why are we doing this? We may like doing it, but it doesn't make sense. Let's 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 stop doing that. Well, there's a cost involved. What is it? what are those costs? Again, you're a strategic leader. You, these are the things that you should be thinking about when you're looking into the future. What are we going to cut out? What are we going to add in? And what's the cost to that? So that's the economics. That's your dime, Chris, and that's it. Kind of a real. Fast flash in a pan, dime. Excellent. Well, and to, let's just chat about um, strategic resourcing and the strategic structure. So what, what do you mean by those two components? Okay. Strategic resourcing. We've just got a few minutes left, probably okay. five before we need to wind up, really. Okay. Uh, strategic, um, strategic resourcing. Um, strategic resourcing is looking at your materials. What are your strategic materials? Now, a strategic material has a definition. What is it that your organization must have to accomplish the mission, to to do the job? What is it you must have? You see, all organizations have strategic materials. Now, the other part of the, the equation on strategic materials is how hard is it to get? So what are my must haves? What materials must I have to do the job? What and how easily can I get it? So um, um, extremely important for strategic for uh, strategic resourcing. The next piece of strategic resourcing is strategic reach. It's how do I get my product? How do I reach my customer? Where are they? Can I reach them? Are they global? Are they local? Okay, so these are the questions that you as a strategic leader should understand. What are your strategic materials? What is your strategic reach? What is your strategic reach? What does it need to be? Okay. And when we talk about strategic structure, strategic structure, uh, that gets very involved. But in short, it's looking at your organization from a perspective of what the military would call .milpf. What a crazy <laughs> acronym that is. It's looking at your doctrine. It's that your doctrine across the organization is in sync. Um, it's looking at your strategic plan. It's knowing that your strategic plan, that your operational level leaders have all developed their plans on how they're going to execute the strategy and, and further down that the people who are actually first line supervisors are doing those things. So um, that's, the, that's your doctrines, making sure all the doctrine is in sync with one another. Then, you know, you look at the, or, the uh, operations. Uh, 
uh, operations firm respected that uh, uh, every org- every facet of your organization is is motoring along. They have what they need. They have the, re- the particular resources they need to do to accomplish the mission. Um, when I go into the M piece, it's ensuring that you're um, you got the right people in the right job. Uh, you start looking at your logistics. So it's this is a cross the board look, and the most important piece of this to be to be brief because I know we're short on time, but is the is the policies and facilities to make sure that your uh, policies are all in sync. Now in this country, a great example is when you buy health insurance. Well, what a hot topic that is. Well, when you buy health insurance, you get a health card. Well, when you get that health card, you can go to any doctor anywhere and get over here. I am insured. Well, you pay your insurance, but it takes you a month, two months to get the card. What? <laughs> yes. So you don't get sick for two months. You know, it could be upwards of two months. And why is that? It, well, it's because the various stovepipes of the organization, their various policies are not in sync with one another. The policy in one one uh, or in one part of your organization says we're going to take three days to handle this. This policy says, well, in order when we get it from you, it's got to look like this, this, and this, and we have to have it with X amount of time. Oh, and by the way, the next piece of this puzzle, we don't take any business on Thursdays and Fridays, and so you you see when policies don't mesh, it's it's like remember the old car with the uh, of the clutch and how gears grind when you're trying to jam it in. Yeah. Okay. When your policies don't match across your organization, that's what happens. It's like grinding gears of a car. The car continues to lurch forward. You're still making progress. But imagine how much, how better the progress is, how faster you go when the gears mesh, when they're slipping in beautifully. But, that's when you're looking at dot mill, when you're looking at the strategic structure, you're making sure that everything is in sync across the spectrum of your organization. That's, that's your strategic look. Excellent. And you probably also, <coughs> you know, articulated uh, in that, you know, why sometimes this can be quite a challenging process for your very big company because it's, it becomes more complex, doesn't it? Whereas some of these smaller companies can be a bit more fleet of thought. A- um, absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, no, I, that's the Marine Corps, which is a very large, complex organization. All of the Department of Defense in the United States does this very thing every 18 months. And it's something that I would suggest large corporations should be doing this every 18 months. Every time you look at your strategic plan, every time you review your strategy, you should be reviewing your strategic structure to make sure everything's in sync. John. Uh, one that's been absolutely fantastic. I just wonder if you've got any final message or messages that you'd like to leave us with. Yes. The uh, the final message, Chris, is because you get promoted, don't think that a person has been dusted with uh, fairy dust, that they suddenly understand what it takes to be in charge. Give them, some, give them a hand. If, you, they were, if they deserve that promotion, then they also deserve to be successful in that new, that new position. So help them out and get them training, get them educated so they can be a value add. 
John, from personal experience, I think that is absolutely tremendous advice and um, really valuable. I know you're out there doing some tremendous work and I can see why. Uh, John, it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you today. Thank you very much. Chris, it's been wonderful. Thank you. You're very welcome. For more information on John Boggs, go to uh, www.fortitudeconsult.com. That's F-O-R-T-I-T-U-D-E, consult.com. If you've got any questions or feedback on the show, please send them to me at chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Uh, on next week's show, um, I'm um, taking a, a week out. We're going to have a, a repeater show, uh, which is with um, the president of Born Free, Will Travers OBE. Um, a fascinating show, that one. And we've got lots of comments and feedback about it. So delighted to repeat that one. And the following week, um, I'm delighted that Patty Aubrey uh, will be joining me in a show called Permission Granted. Um, Patty went from being uh, the PA to, the, to, to being president of the Canfield Training Group. And she's overseen day-to-day operations alongside Jack Canfield for over 24 years. During that time, she's published over 200 titles, become a New York Times best-selling author, and with colleagues, built a multi-million dollar enterprise. So this show will give you the permission to think big, uh, and as, as John talked there, about thinking big and to achieve more. So once again, a big thank you to John Boggs. I do wish you all a wonderful week. for listening to be more achieve more please join your host chris cooper again next friday at 8 a.m u.s pacific time typically 4 p.m london on the voice america business channel enjoy your week